This Fab FM podcast is proudly brought to you by Bendigo Bank, Port Douglas and Mossman. Offering a full range of competitive banking products and technology you'd expect from a big bank with the personal service and care you'd expect from us. Furthermore, the Port Douglas branch is now excited to announce its brand new location at the Saltwater Building, Shop 9, 26 to 30 Macrossan Street. Bendigo Bank, the better big bank. Michael, a huge agenda today and first one, uh, first one of the rank was uh, 22 Mountain View Drive, Shannon Vale, a redevelopment there that n- never got a chance. It was knocked on the head. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, this is another case and we're, they're coming up more constantly and one of the reasons why we're pushing um, to get the regional plan reassessed as well as and wanting the staff to look at areas like this when it comes to our own plan, you know, blocks like this to me i personally think they are absolutely suitable for rural blocks you know it's a 16 hectare block it's way under the 40 hectare agriculture block um it's surrounded by properties that are already broken apart um some down to 0.6 of a hectare we need housing we need housing stock so we're being you know unfortunately we have our hands tied you know and these things need to be changed as councillors you know we only have certain abilities and limits of power um, the planning scheme is our guiding document and you know it, it's got to be something exceptional and special that we have to be able to you know to break those planning scheme rules especially the state one there was an issue um I think it, was, it was last year or the year before when mariba was subdividing some land like that and they got a big slap across the hand by the state government and we're told that's it you can't do it anymore it's against the rural plan so you know it's really important that we work with the state government um get this regional plan sorted as well and get our own plan you know fixing it as i said it's a one size fits all shoe at the moment and that's not the case there's you know there's been a couple of applications come through this year already and there's i know there's more to come they're all in the same boat they've got these large rural blocks that aren't big enough for cane paddocks they're not big enough to run as a commercial farm they're too big for just having a residential property so as i said this block today it's got 12 cows on it from what i saw um you know love lucky cows they've got a great life on a fantastic paddock but you know that that could be you know some rural blocks for houses and you know that's stuff that we absolutely need in this shire so we need we some action we, we need, need some action unfortunately red tape city as always you know we're having to battle through it yes i think we need affordable housing um and blocks in particular for people to um buy in the shire this particular um block of land it hasn't been had any agriculture for many many years and it's just sitting there and we've got a lot of people from south that want to come up and live in our beautiful shire we don't have the appropriate housing for them at the moment because everyone wants to come up and live and this is a perfect example how we can utilize the land that we have that is sitting around and um, doing nothing okay and then we go to the resort complex port douglas road uh this just isn't going nowhere well, Red Tape City, as we said, here we go again. You know, unfortunately, you know, we have a planning scheme in place. And as I said, I was you know, quite hard on the fact that this is only a new planning scheme. You know, this was only done in 2018. So, you know, the residents and ratepayers of this shire, if they don't believe that we're doing the right thing by this um, planning scheme, they should have spoke up. You know, and you know, when we do do public consultations, people need to actually acknowledge what we're doing and participate so that we are doing what the majority wants rather than the ones that just constantly do put in submissions to um, things like the planning scheme. So we are stuck with the planning scheme that we've got. You know, it has very 
firm guidelines on what we can do and how we can do it. And unfortunately, this particular development sits well outside a lot of the provisions and the outcomes that are required by our planning scheme. You know, so to go against it, we open ourselves up to lots of issues. And as the planner said, you know, the parking you know that's being provided is well under what the planning scheme um, asks for, and we could end up with cars the whole way down Port Douglas Road, you know, parked on the grass areas, you know, where there's not enough car parking provided. So, you know, we've got Oaks Lagoon um, right next door. They've got buildings that come up to the right distance of their boundary. And then they suddenly have this 20-metre building right next door to their two-bedroom units or the little two-storey units. So, you know, we have to compare those things and consider everyone. Um, and unfortunately, it just didn't fit in with our planning scheme. And I certainly hope the developer can acknowledge where we're coming from. Um, and, you know, I certainly hope his dream of having a property that's an exclusive luxury resort um, doesn't disappear completely. Well, I'm sure it's going to look better than what it looks like at the moment. It's a bit of an eyesore now. Well, unfortunately, it's been an eyesore for as long as I can remember. You know, the resort that was going to go in there, of course, went broke um, and it sat there with the concrete pillars for all these years um, and has been nothing but an eyesore. And so, as I said, you know, when I first heard that they were going to develop this with no less than a, a Fairmont hotel, I thought, wow, this is an absolute dream for a new mayor to have a, a quality development like this come through. Um, but again, unfortunately, the red tape of the planning scheme and, you know, I was, again, quite hard in the meeting and the fact that I read some things on Facebook over the weekend that were appalling, absolutely appalling. This is not the planning staff. This is not closed-minded idiots that don't know what they're doing and all the comments that were made. These are very intelligent, well-trained people that are assessing a planning scheme that was approved and they're just giving the facts on that. And we have to remember that. And unfortunately, yeah, it's gone the way it has. Okay, we move on to domestic violence or community housing unit development in Mossman. Uh, this is much needed. It certainly is. It's something that, as Councillor Nolly said, we've been working on for quite some time. Um, you know, this the staff have done a great job in doing all the reports that were required to finally get this funding. Um, Council purchased the land, so we've put our part in. We've got the funding to build the facility, and this is now um, putting out for the tenders to get the people to actually build it. So, hopefully, in you know a short period, we'll have the facility built. I believe it's a three-bedroom unit and a two-bedroom unit, and um, we'll be able to help some of these people that desperately need it at the moment you know these a lot of these ladies are shipped down to Cairns and you know it's not fair on the kids because they can't go to the normal schools they've got they're not near their friends and their close family connections as well so they're having to be you know it causes a lot of mental stress as well as the heartache they're going through at the time so it's so important we have something local that um, can assist and that's just over $547,000 involved there, $261,000 involved with a contract for sewerage pump station switchboard. I know what a pump station is. How does the switchboard work? Very good question. I assume it moves <laughs> moves things around and turns things on and off. It's sort of like a thingamajig. Oh, it's a thingamajig that we have to have, and that's the most important thing. When it comes to sewerage and all those types of things, they are necessity. I know they're not pretty things that we like to talk about, but they're necessities. And, you know, I think if the sewerage wasn't working, we'd certainly be hearing about it, and that's why we need to spend the money we do on these projects. Landfill waste cartage and disposal. And one of the councillors, I think it was Lisa Scomazon, said that just didn't realise how much money is spent on, you know, getting crap away. Uh, 900000 nearly a million bucks. Absolutely. And this is the reason why everyone's been pushing so hard on recycle, reuse, because we knew this was coming. Um, the... Uh 
tip, basically, as we used to call it, the refuge area, um, is full. It's as simple as that. It, we can't put any more rubbish there. In December, we have to close it off completely, which means everything that goes to the tip needs to be trucked somewhere else. Um, unfortunately, with all the new EPA rules and regulations and you know what uh, the, the government legislations are, it's impossible to open a new one. Um, so we're having to find alternative methods, which is the one in the Mariba that we'll be using, but everything has to be shipped there, and that comes at a cost. Um, so, you know, we're really going to be pushing hard with our message as far as the recycle reuse, and, you know, unfortunately it does show in people's rates bill when they see their waste bill. It's gone up quite substantially over the last couple of years because, you know, the state government's been introducing these measures to make this happen. Um, so I really I'd, I'd recommend people as much as possible. Have a look at the document. As Lisa said, it's expensive to move rubbish so the less you have to put in that green bin the better you know if you can put it into compost put it into compost if you can recycle recycle you know if it's something that's worthwhile take it to the scrap shack or a secondhand shop and resell it um, but you know clothing all those things re give them to charity shops they can be reused um, Paws and Claws shop uh, at Mossman. Well, yeah, I have to declare being the president of Paws and Claws. I can't just say them, but all charity shops, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And even if they, they sometimes they're a bit scrappy, other places do take them and they cut them up and use them for rags for painters and all those things. So they can be reused. Don't put it in the rubbish because, you know, that's going to cost us all money. Foreshore management plan, Wonga Beach, Newell Beach, Cooyah Beach, Four Mile Beach, Oak Beach. Uh, Lisa Skomazon, the deputy mayor, was a little bit concerned here because, once again, we'll use that phrase, uh, not one size fits all. You have to have revegetation, but you have to do it sensibly. And in all cases, it's it's not revegetation. Yeah, it, it, it's something that I had concerns with and I've spent the last couple of days talking to the staff about that exact fact. There's areas that I know of that um, are windows, as we call them, that have been there since the 50s. Um, and, you know, under this plan, it looks like they'll be revegetated. Yeah, and talking to the staff, it's like, no, no, that's not the case. We'll do community consultation and we wouldn't do that to people, the rest but. It's not in writing, and we all know these days if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. And so it is a concern that, you know, there could be areas there that are currently windows where people enjoy the view or people have access to the beach areas um, that could suddenly be fenced and revegetated. And is that what the community actually wants? When you look at the plans that they have given us to view, and which is on the website for the public to have a look at, I think there's a lot of over-revegetation. And, um, and I would hate to think that someone who's, who lives on the beach, who has a beautiful view today, gone tomorrow because they want to revegetate. Yes, our beaches, um, our foreshores do need to be cleaned up. And, um, and yes, our beaches do suffer from erosion, but I think there's a lot of other better ideas that we could be looking at to save our beaches and to revegetate the way it's planned at the moment. Not against revegetation, but it needs to be done sensibly. You know, so we have to make sure we get this right. And I think it's worthwhile taking it back to one more workshop just to consider some of these areas. You know, in particular, there's one in Port Douglas and on Four Mile Beach that is pristine green grass. You know, and it used to be used quite often for uh, weddings. And more recently, it's been let go back to this new uh, revege and it's looking like quite a mess and can't be used for weddings, etc. And the, the, under this scheme, it would be revegetated. 
And to me, that's not what we want. This is a good a position as what Little Cove is for weddings. And it could be a great asset for council if they regrass it and make it look really pristine. We'd be able to use that for weddings. So that's something that I'd be pushing for when discussing this as we go through to ensure that that area can remain a coconut uh, plantation where it is with nice green grass, be able to use it for weddings, etc. And you know, not have it uh, locked into this revegetation because it falls into the wrong zone on a map. FNQ Rock Strategic Regional Advisory Group, Lisa Scomazon elected to that? Absolutely. This group has been formed as part of one of the FNQ Rock um, groups or boards that sits under the main board to discuss waste. You know, we have our roads group that, of course, has done some great work on roads and gets us some wonderful prices that reduce because we buy in bulk rather than the, each council having to buy their own. And what we're doing is we're forming a group to discuss waste and how we can deal with this waste situation because, as we just said before, the price is constantly going up. So is there a way that all the councils can bond together and do something together as a large group um, so small councils like us don't have to suffer the burden of going out to individual contracts? Um, so it'll be very exciting to see what this waste group comes up with um, and what things they look at and how they develop a process moving forward for all councils to take advantage of. Douglas Chamber of Commerce Resource and Performance Agreement, I think around about $40,000, 21 to to 2024. Chamber of Commerce for a while wasn't travelling all that well, but they seem to be doing kicking a few goals lately. Well, that was the intention. When I came in after the election, I wanted to get them some funding to really give them a kickstart. And I think that we gave them 50000 that first year, and that was the intention of doing that. You know, the Chamber, you know, we had one in Port Douglas and we had one in Mossman. Uh, the Mossman one folded quite a few years ago, and it just became then the Douglas Chamber of Commerce, and it was based in Port. Um, and again, they're all full-time working people. They've all got their own businesses. So it's very hard for them to try and get out and do things and try and generate interest and generate you know, members when they're all working their own businesses. So giving them that 50000 last year and it allowed them to do some things with it to generate income or generate interest, I should say, um, like having the expo and um, the different forums that they had and the social media trainings that they did. And, you know, of course, the Christmas Street um, in, uh, Moss, in Port Douglas, we had the Santa in the shop and all those sorts of things that allowed them to do it. And I think they're great things to encourage businesses in the Shire. And, you know, I really want the Chamber to be a strong uh, lobby group for the businesses. You know, they should be coming to council regularly to tell us what the businesses are doing and what the businesses need. Um, they need to be going to state levels as well and going to forums and, you know, getting that momentum so they become a good, solid um, body for the businesses in this shire. And by giving them this, this, this token funding, I mean, 20000 realistically isn't much. If you look at the expos, I think that costs about 10000 alone for that. Um, hopefully they'll be able to generate some more interest, get those members in. It's so important that they get members. You know, the businesses also have to support the chamber. It's one thing for council to do it, but those businesses, they need to also start supporting chamber, becoming a member, paying a membership fee to allow the chamber to do what they need to do to help support them. Mossman State High School, $500 for sponsorship. They've got an awards presentation on the 17th of November, so good stuff there. Then we moved on to, oh boy, oh boy, the RV Park Mossman business case. And uh, uh, Roy Zamataro dead set against an RV Park. We're hearing, oh, he did question, I think you, did he question you or the council over figures of what people spend in the Shire? And you sort of said, well, that's not quite right. 
Well, the reports that the staff have written are factual reports and they do their research. Now, I also know myself that I've spoken to these bodies, the RV body, and I've also spoken to other mayors and councillors throughout different areas that have gone through this strategy and they absolutely confirm the figures that the income that these people bring generates jobs, it generates businesses, it's absolutely worth doing. And I think an RV park in Mossman, personally myself, is going to be a godsend for Mossman. It will absolutely generate great jobs and great income for this little town that at the moment during the day it does really well at lunchtimes come night time you know it's quite quiet and you know bringing these extra people in will generate business and that's what we really want now to start getting these jobs happening and getting people back into Mossman and creating that buzz of an atmosphere that it is our CBD you know, so looking at the process on how we go about doing it, and that's the issue. Um, it has to be the right block of land. I mean, the RV Association has said that it needs to be within walking distance to the CBD. You know, these people usually bring their big RVs in that don't normally fit into caravan parks. They want somewhere that doesn't have toilet facilities. They don't need it. They're completely self-contained. All they need is a dumping pit and a hose to fill up their water tank. You know, and they'll park where they do and they walk everywhere they go. So it's got to be something that's close to town. Um, it's got to be big enough to hold a sustainable amount of RVs as well. Um, and I think it's important that the staff are able to look at all options and bring a report back to us with as much detail as possible. Now, if it means council, you know, to, from my perspective, if we have to purchase the right block of land, you know, by selling another block of land somewhere else to fund it, I think that's worthwhile to do to ensure that the the, the businesses in Mossman um, get this economic boost that we believe they need. Um, so we'll move forward. It's, um, you know, we were there today. We saw what happened. Um, we'll wait and see what comes next. I'm not necessarily saying in favour of it. Um, I need more info and um, I have spent the last two weeks looking at all um, a lot of our caravan parks in the Shire, exactly who their customers are, what vehicles are in the ca um, caravans. I've spoken to caravan park owners to see how they're feeling about this, their community as well. I'm not 100% sure at this stage if it's um, something that I can support in the Shire. If you have a look at our caravan parks at the moment, um, I would say majority of the vehicles that have in their caravan parks are RVs. So if we develop another RV park which is run by another association which offers either free camping or very um, cheap camping, our caravan parks in the show will never ever be able to compete because they've got their rates, their insurances and all their fees that they've got to pay on top of managing the caravan parks. So I just think that this is something we need to look at very carefully because it could be the end of some of our caravan parks in our shire. You know, councillors have to be sure of what they're signing up the community for and, you know, they've got to be confident in it. Um, you know, I think it's important that they get all the information um, and I'm sure the staff will prevail and give it to them. Wonga Beach Caravan Park Caretakers Management Agreement. Steve Madison and Jackie Thomas will take over as caretakers. And as I understand, there's a little bit of history with this and it's good to see these two guys uh, very much supported in this. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, a couple of years ago, we went through a process of looking at all the leases and the agreements and the Wonga Caravan Park came to an end of its agreement and the person that was there declined to reapply. Um, so it sat there for a while without having a proper caretaker or such and there was there was lots of issues we were constantly getting complaints from uh, neighbours and the police and people going in there that weren't paying and doing all sorts of issues so we, we went through a process of finding some um, 
manage a management couple to run it and that's turned out really well and we're getting you know lots of good comments now from everyone around that area and the caravan park itself that it's being managed appropriately so now we're going into a longer contract Port Shorts Film Festival, uh, you've spoken to us at length on this before, so we know you support it, and it is, is, is a great festival. And so that was carried unanimously to support them once again. Also, Tasteport Douglas, which is coming up, uh, $10,000 and in, in kind. The Deputy Mayor was a little bit worried about this, that money was being diverted from other parts of council to provide this 10000 because it wasn't actually budgeted for. Yeah, I, I do. And I don't believe that the ratepayers should um, have their services or projects cut because of this um, taste. I Look, I'm not against the... Um, concept of what they're doing. I think it's a great idea for the Shire, but the, we do get these little, um, we do get organisations that come and ask for little bits of money and um, and I think that with the tourism body that we have, that we have a contract with, I think that this is something they need to step up to and support and maybe give out the small amount of fundings and not expect the ratepayers to have to keep paying for this because I don't like to see services or our projects um, delayed or cut because of these things. It wasn't in our initial budgets because we didn't know about it. Uh, we've always funded Taste before in the past when they had their, their big um, festivals. And you know, I'm really excited to see it come back again. It's a great opportunity for us to see some great international quality chefs that are going to come to this region and this is only just a small portion of what the whole festival is going to be and I think it was important that council was part of this festival and absolutely you know got involved and did some funding to ensure that's going to be a great event you know I really want these businesses to be able to do the best they can to prove themselves um, as I said you know we're coming up to carnival again next year it would be great to have a local group do the longest lunch for Carnival uh, and this will give them the experience and the knowledge and the ability to see how they go and that, that's really important. You know, so I understand where Councillor Scommerson was coming from, it wasn't in our budget this year um, but you know, I know the accounting staff do wonders and you know, they would have saved $10,000 somewhere along the line on one of the projects that was done and they can reallocate it and reshift it around. Um, usually in November we have our budget reassessment anyway um, so they can bring something to us to shift those figures around. But I certainly you know, believe that it's not going to increase our deficit by anything. The COVID relief fee reduction for Port Douglas market uh, stall holders, uh, Councillor Nolan Zamataro were a bit concerned about them. What they were suggesting is that people should not just turn up. In other words, if they're not making money, not turn up. What you were putting forward or what the motion was put forward was to reduce the stall fees. So what, how does it work here? So we have a, a two-tier level as far as the fees go. There's the, the fee that covers from March through to January, which is, of course, when it's busier. And then over the low season, when it's a little bit wet and there's less tourists around, we reduce it slightly. Um, from a discussion we had, we thought that it'd be appropriate because things are so quiet, and we were getting requests as well for it, to bring the low season early. So just bring it forward a couple of months so that the, the storeholders can, can get a lower rate and give it, make it a little bit easier for them. Um, my concern, as I said in the meeting, was that you know, I don't want to encourage storeholders not to come. You know, to me, the market is a tourism event. It's a tourism asset. Mm. People come here for our markets. You know, could we get, look a bit sparse. Well, it could. We get a lot of people that come up from Cairns and, you know, from Coranda, all sorts of areas. They come here to see our markets. And if they turn up and, you know, half the markets aren't there, 
It's like, well, I won't be coming back next time until it's busy season again. This is a waste of time. So, and I don't want to encourage that. So I was hoping that just by giving the reduction will at least allow these um, storeholders the want to continue to keep coming up here and getting some reduction for the ability to do it. Um, but, you know, I listened to what Councillor Zamataro and Councillor Noli said, and, you know, I hope that the storeholders will take advantage of the discount rather than the not turning up. But for those storeholders that it just financially is not worth it, you know, at least they've got that option to not come. But as I said, I don't want to see a sparse market where people go down there and go, oh, God, this is, why is it famous? I don't understand. Um, so it's important that we still have good stall, good amount of stalls there and that it's still a great tourism asset. We're getting all through this. We're, we're near the end. Daintree Ferry Advisory Committee, what will they do? Well, last time we had an issue with the ferry and we had to close it for the, the period whilst it was taken out of the water to um, have repairs done to it. It was a check. They had to check it to um, AMSA, I think it was. Um, a lot of the locals said, well, how come you didn't come to us for advice? You know, we're the ones that use it on a daily basis. You've made decisions for us. Uh, without even consulting us what we think is the best. So we came up with the thought that we got a Daintree Ferry Advisory Group. So it'll be a mixture of people across the board that use the ferry regular, whether it be tourism groups, locals, uh, representatives from the uh, Daintree Marketing Co-op, TPDD, uh, TTNQ, all these groups that you know, facilitate the use of it on a daily basis. You know, business businesses, there could be plumbing businesses, the petrol business, this is what the terms of reference is going to work out, who are the appropriate people to be on it. So when issues can arise like that, we've at least got a body we can, this is what's happening, this is what we need to do, tell us what you think is the best thing. And then a report can be drawn up by the staff, giving us advice, or the, the Daintree Ferry Advisory Group suggests that this is the best way moving forward on how to deal with this issue. So it gives us, you know, some groundwork on you know, consultation, basically, um, in a direct form so that we can make decisions with the advice of the actual users rather than just making it ourselves. Well, you're running it now, of course. And uh, options for council to develop retirement-style living houses. A councillor, Zamataro, says council shouldn't be getting involved in this sort of stuff. Well, you know, council should be getting involved in this stuff, I believe. You know, we, we've been going through this argument now for way, way too many years. You know, we've got uh, ladies who have waited 20 years to get a full facility for aged care. Now, I don't want to wait another 20 years and these ladies have to move away to other areas or pass away first before they get the reality of seeing actual suitable living for retirees. You know, and there's a bit of confusion there between building a retirement village and building retirement housing, which is what the suggestion that Councillor Scholarson put forward and why I agreed to it. You know, a lot of these retirement village groups have assessed it and they've looked at it and said it's too small. We can't make money out of it. But the what they do is they, they keep the land. They don't sell the land. You know, you just buy the house to live in and then you have to sell the house, but they constantly buy the land and it's a it's a funding type stream the whole time. And there's not enough lots that can be built on that to make it a financially viable product on the constant streaming. If council was to look at developing the land, we could subdivide it ourselves. We could have the, a developer build the, the units on it uh, for us. And then we could choose, you know, 75% of it we could sell to people to buy to live. And the other, you know, quarter we could then have, um, you know, just rent it. 
you know, so the people that can't afford to buy can at least still rent in a retirement type area where it's a 50s plus zone type thing. So the people that are there are all in the same age bracket. They're not going to have screaming children next door, etc. They're only going to be small, easy to maintain, easy to clean. You know, and as far as the, the works go, we have our own gardeners. We have our own maintenance crews. We have our own. The things that council can do as council property and the rental side of it could assist in paying for that stuff. So we're not looking at making a burden for council. We're not looking at, you know, using ratepayer money as an expense just to cater for retirees. Now we're looking at it as a, a business option. And I think it's important that council, whilst also looking at these other options to see if there's a group that can do a retirement facility as such, um, we look at it to see if we can do retirement living so we can get this happening. This has been going on for way too long. It needs to happen. We, I want it to start. The sooner we get a shovel in the ground, the better, and start getting appropriate living in both Mossman and Port Douglas, not just Mossman as well. And I think that's what Lisa had in it. There's a block in Craig Lee that would be suitable to have you know, a good amount of small one- and two-bedroom units for retirees um, and you know, offer a perfect uh, area for them to live in Port as well. You know, it, it, to me, it makes sense. I think it's a fantastic idea and it would be an asset for council. And, and, and like you said, you've got the gardeners, you've got all the upkeep people, which normally people would have to pay for. You guys have got it in-house. Exactly right. So, you know, as I said, the rental side of it can pay for that part. It would be an income stream for council. You know, I think we can get some good prices for those units as well and appropriate prices for people to, to move into. Um, I agree with Councillor Noll in the sense that that is valuable land, but our retirees are valuable people. You know, they've put into this community for the last 20, 30 years. They deserve to have appropriate living and that's what I want to offer them. And just finally, uh, it was on the list on the agenda for legal expenses for the former CEO, but you didn't get to it. I have to wait till the report comes. I don't know myself. So what reports, how long is the report taking to do? I have no idea. Right. So you're doing a report and then vote on legal expenses that the former CEO is involved with, with DNN at the moment? When the report comes, I'll know more details myself. Mayor Michael Kerr, thank you. Thank you.